Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for talking about the big game. I'm Caleb. And I'm Dan, and I don't give a fuck. It's the Super Bowl, motherfuckers. Uh, we are recording on Super Bowl Sunday, so uh, if you're listening to this, you have the advantage of being from the future and knowing who won. Go Chiefs! Arguably the least offensive appropriational use of Native American names. Yeah, that might be true. I call white people chief all the time. Right? I mean, Braves is also up there, but uh, I think Chiefs is number one. Sure. Uh, how are you? I'm, I'm wonderful. Uh, very excited to watch a very good game, I'm assuming. Because I care about the foosball. How are you feeling? Good. I'm gonna go play Tecmo Bowl. Ooh, that actually sounds almost like more fun. Quite honestly, <laughs> Tecmo Bowl's fucking awesome. Wait, isn't there a like if you have a Nintendo Online, can't you get like Tecmo Bowl through like an NES or SNES emulator they have on there? I think that's one of the ones on there. Um, okay. I also have a. Uh, a hacked NES classic that I can Ooh. put it on to. Fancy. Yeah. I don't know. That's that's all the banter that I have about the superb owls. I mean, they are pretty super. No, no, what else is up with you this week? I don't know. Not a lot. Okay. Cool story. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I could... Talk about playing magic on yeah. Magic Arena. Yeah, but... see, you're you're privileged enough to own an Android where, of course, things get beta tested for uh, me, the superior iOS user. All right. Weird flex, <laughs> but all right. I don't know. I like, uh, I like seeing if I can break the game. I've definitely been stress testing it and crashed the game a few times. Because I'm playing a deck that makes a bunch of, like, tokens, token creatures. So mm -hmm. I'll just, like, flood the game with, like, 50 monsters in a turn. And then the game just stops. It's like, ah, oh, cool. Technically, this counts as a loss now. Oh. Well, that's, yeah, I hope it crashes your opponent, too, because that's fucking stupid. Yeah. I don't know how that works. It's a fine game. Except for when you make it crash. What have you been up to? Let's see. So since the last episode, uh, I may have, I may or may not have talked about uh, WandaVision, uh, but I've been watching WandaVision because, like, it's kind of nice, like, every now and then. I, I wouldn't do this, like, with every show. Like, Disney Plus is going to do this with every fucking show where they're going to release it every weekly. But, like, it's kind of nice to watch a show as it comes out, dodging spoilers. That part's not so fun. I feel like everybody who posts spoilers on Twitter should be banned forever. Uh, and never come back ever again. But 
Like it's fun watching it as it comes out and like reacting and not having not binging everything. But uh, since that point uh, of episode four, uh, Ashley has watched uh, Avengers Endgame, <laughs> Captain America: The First Avenger, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Iron Man Two, Thor, uh, the first Avengers movie, Thor: The Dark World, both Guardians of the Galaxy movies, Age of Ultron, Ant Man. She's now in the middle of watching uh, Black Panther. This woman is uh, insane. That's that's pretty funny. Man, I don't know. I don't know if I could watch all of them in that tight of a time period. Oh, did I forget Thor: The Dark World? Thor: The, Thor the Dark World in there too. Iron Man three, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. I forgot. I forgot a few. Uh, but yeah, she's probably watched about two thirds of the MCU at this point in the last nine days. Which, like, good for her, man. Man, I wish I could go back in time and see Ant-Man and the Wasp in theaters again. Because, like, that was after Infinity War. And the whole time, we were just like, oh, nobody's acknowledging that, like, a weird thing happened in the last movie. Right. But then, like, finally we find out why Ant-Man wasn't in Infinity War at all. Because, like... It was happening at the same time, I guess, for some reason, or around the same time. Yeah, around the and same Ant-Man time. And Ant-Man wasn't aware that, like, aliens were invading, because the Avengers didn't call him. <laughs> so, like, at the end of the, like, the mid-credits scene or whatever, where, like, he goes into the quantum realm, and, like, he's like, okay, guys, pull me out. And it it goes back to, like, you know... Doc Pym and everybody, and they've all been reduced to ash and are flying away. It's, it was a real, it was probably like the biggest holy shit moment right. in the MCU for me. Like, uh, I, I finally watched like part of the first Ant-Man for the first time, because there's three MCU movies I haven't watched, which are both Ant-Man movies and then um, Thor the Dark World, because I was warned enough about Thor the Dark World. But I, I'm watching Ant-Man... And at one point, Scott's like, I don't want to lose any more time with, with her, referring to his daughter. And I'm like, well, you got a five-year time skip coming up here soon, buddy. So good luck with <laughs> yeah. that one. Yeah, they really foreshadowed that. Man, I like Ant-Man a lot. I got to give it a chance. I will at, at some point sit down and watch it. But, uh, you know, this wasn't the time for me. I don't know. I... <laughs> I would watch Paul Red bounce a tennis ball against a brick wall for an hour and a half. <laughs> All right. Uh let's let's do the podcast. Okay. Uh let's do what's your swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. So uh I still have four of my hams whatever the fuck it was called in in the fridge. Uh, they're all waiting for me to scarf down uh, asinine amounts of food during the superb owl, and uh, I'm leaving them there. But I did also got uh, nine dogfish head ninety minute IPA. Uh, it is ooh, it, it it oscillates between that and the seventy five minute, which which are my favorites. But they didn't have the seventy five minute. They also didn't have the one twenty minute. But uh, yes, dogfish head the the anything minute you're not gonna go wrong with, but I think the ninety minute is the best. Yeah, if you're gonna scarf down all that food, you're gonna need super bowels. No kidding! I can't wait to see how much 
sour uh, what is it, what is it sour cream and onion dip I can fucking expel from my body. I'm sure you all <laughs> love that. Uh, it's really gross. I'm having a Modelo, my favorite Mexican cerveza. There you go. It's no Corona, but there you go. All right, uh, let's get into some news. Oh shit! It's mail time. I've got one news story, which is that Nintendo has pulled the plug on Zelda and Star Fox series uh, that were supposed to come on to Netflix uh, after their existence was leaked by a Netflix employee. So I think the Zelda show was supposed to be based like in the world of Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. And the Star Fox series was a claymation show about Star Fox and Team Star Fox flying around the galaxy. And I guess uh, fans started talking about the shows and Nintendo got scared and pulled the plug. So, saying the shows would suck? Jail. Saying they would be good? Believe it or not, jail. Acknowledging their existence? Straight to jail. Thank you for that wonderful Parks and Rec reference. Yeah. Nintendo's fucking weird. I know, right? They, They do stuff like this all the time. Yeah, I feel like they cancel a lot of leaked games, or just like whenever a game gets leaked, it's like, all right, we're pushing the release date back um, uh, six months because fuck you guys. <laughs> like I feel like Metroid Prime Four has been. Yeah, you know, I was just gonna months. say, please, please, nobody post spoilers for Metroid Prime Four. I just need it. I would also like a Metroid Prime collection, please. Don't fuck that up for me. See, I still have my Metroid Prime collection for the Wii. That's because you're smart, though. I actually never owned a Wii, so I never had that chance. I had a Wii, then a Wii U. I still have the Wii U. That was a console. We played Mega Man 6 on it and recorded it, but apparently you didn't record it. So I beat the game, and then nobody got to hear our commentary about it. I don't know why I don't remember that. But oh well. I'm sure it was funny. Just imagine this show, but talking about Mega Man 6, uh, it's funny, probably. Yeah. We could do it again at some point. Uh, that game takes about, I don't know, maybe two hours to beat. Uh, let's do downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Our first trailer is for Pacific Rim The Black, a Netflix original anime. There was a time when Kaiju rose from the Pacific Rim only to encounter gigantic robots, Jaegers, built to fight them back. That time has passed. Now Australia has been overrun by Kaiju, forcing the evacuation of an entire continent. Left behind, teenage siblings Taylor and Haley embark on a desperate search for their missing parents, teaching themselves to pilot a battered, long-abandoned Jaeger to help in their quest and give them the slightest hope of surviving. Premieres March 4th only on Netflix. Uh, so already from that description, I can see some continuity issues with, uh, the Pacific Rim movies, but who gives a shit? Cause it's robots fighting monsters. That is correct. No one gives a fuck. the whole point. Cause nobody gives a shit about the story or the, the science of how Pacific Rim works, Nick. Uh, it's just meant to be dumb popcorn fun. And mm-hmm. this looks like it. So I'll watch it. Yeah. Welcome to, it's a main review topic, because uh, it's Pacific Rim, it's giant robots fighting uh, giant monsters. I mean, normally I'm all there for giant robots fighting other giant robots, but 
Throw in monsters, fuck it. Who cares? Welcome to Dan welcoming you to things. Yep, that, I realized I said it, and I hated myself, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, the next trailer is for Moxie. Fed up with the sexist and toxic status quo at her high school, a shy 16-year-old finds inspiration from her mother's rebellious past and anonymously publishes a zine that sparks a school-wide coming-of-age revolution. Based on the novel by Jennifer Matthew, directed by Amy Poehler. Uh, I would like to point out that says coming-of-rage revolution. Oh, it does. Don't teach me for being a speed reader. <laughs> right? Uh, Caleb, it's Amy Poehler directing a movie and starring in it, or I guess technically appearing in the movie. Uh, how excited are you? Uh, this actually looks not too bad. Like it's, uh, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Girl starts a fucking grassroots feminist movement at her school. It's neat. It's a neat idea. Yeah. I'm very intrigued by this. As am I. Uh, our next trailer is for Amend. The fight for America. When the United States was founded, the ideals of freedom and equality did not apply to all people. These are the stories of br the brave Americans who fought to the nation's right... Well, wait. These are the stories of the brave Americans who fought to right the nation's wrongs and enshrine the values we mold... Ho we mold... Ho okay. We hold most dear in Man. into the Constitution. With liberty and justice Make fun of my all. reading. Look. Shut up. Executive produced and hosted by Will Smith. Uh, basically, this is all about, like, the 14th Amendment. So, uh, slowly but surely, Netflix is teaching us the Constitution. Uh, yeah, they must have got the idea from me. Oh my god, you're right. Oh my god, how did Netflix she get there? And say, how dare you think of the Constitution after Caleb started reading about it? What's wrong with you? Alright, uh, next up, we've got the trailer for a series called Tribes of Europa. 2074, in the wake of a mysterious global disaster, war rages between the tribes that have emerged from the wreckage of Europe. Three siblings from the peaceful Origines tribe, Keanu, Liv, and Elja, are desperate, are separated, and forced to forge their own paths in an action-packed fight for the future of this new Europa. As premieres on February 19th. Uh, so this is... Uh, like Mad Max by way of Hunger Games, maybe? Does that track? Yeah, kinda. Uh, I think the most interesting part about this trailer for me is the guy who plays Ulrich Nielsen in Dark is in it. Uh, Caleb, you will know him as... Uh, oh, what was the, the movie where Hitler returned to present-day Germany? Look who's back. That's it. Uh, yeah, he played Hitler in that movie. Nice. I like his, him as an actor. He's, uh, he's very good. Even though I can't understand anything he's saying. Uh, I don't know. It looks fine. Like, it looks like it could be good or terrible. Uh, or, like, horribly disappointing. So, uh, I'll probably give it a shot. But who who knows? Yeah. I'm not in the demographic for this i don't think next up is the trailer for behind her eyes based on the number one best-selling novel with that shocking ending behind her eyes follows the entangled lives of single mother louise and married couple adele and david their 
story is romantic, thrilling, and twisted at the same time, with the ending that is nothing short of shocking. Dan, I think there's uh, some sort of twist ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seems like the only way they're going to be able to market this movie, or series, or whatever the fuck it is. Uh, I, yeah. I, I looked up what the ending is supposed to be, and I have no idea what the fuck it's, what, what the fuck it is. Like, I, I read it, and I just went, what? So, uh, hopefully this does a better job of explaining what the fuck's going on than, uh, the Wikipedia synopsis I read. I don't know. If the selling point of something is the ending, like, if, if you say, like, oh, watch this, it has a twist ending, like, knowing that there's a twist ending makes me not want to watch it. Because, like, the twist ending has to happen on its own, and I don't know. It has to be organically earned. Like, you can't just be like, oh, wait, the twist ending will really tie the movie together. And it's like, no, it it should just be a good movie on its own. (sighs) Yeah, I'm not really interested in this. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about it because of the the twist ending. Yeah. Yeah. However, the next trailer is for Sentinel, which is uh, something that really did pique my interest. Uh, Transferred home after a traumatizing combat mission, a highly trained French soldier uses her lethal skills to hunt down the man who hurt her sister. Uh, This is like Taken or like uh, French Punisher. Yeah. Uh, There was that movie that came out with Jennifer Garner, I think called Peppermint, which uh, this reminded me of i haven't seen that movie but based off of what everyone says it's about it it seems like it's familiar but uh this looks fucking awesome it really does more more women in action movies please right well uh with that let's move over to a segment of caleb watches star trek Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Caleb, his seven-season mission to explore a strange new fandom, to give up his social life and all his friends, to boldly go where millions of sweaty nerds have gone before. Caleb, tell me about it. The the big thing we've all been waiting for. It finally happened. Uh, I watched The Best of Both Worlds, which is the uh, season three finale and season four premiere. It's a two-parter. Uh, and it concerns the uh, reappearance of the Borg, who are apparently intent on conquering Earth. Um, So the Borg Cube, which apparently is the same one that the Enterprise encountered before, uh, shows up. There's like a colony that went missing that they're looking for. Mm. And like, it looked like literally the entire chunk of earth that the colony was in was like pulled up out of the ground. And like the colony itself is not there anymore. No people or anything. Uh, and there's like magnetic radiation, radiation that's, uh, it matches what they encountered when they encountered the Borg the first time. 
Mm-hmm. So they're like, oh, this looks like it's the Borg. And sure enough, the cube shows up. Uh, so like to help study this, Starfleet sends um, their expert on the Borg. Seven of nine. It's not seven of no. nine. I know that she's but. she's in Deep Space Nine or uh, or is Star she Trek in Deep Picard. Space nine? Yeah, she is Deep Space Nine. She's Captain Janeway. No, seven of nine is uh, Jerry Ryan's character. Right, right, but I mean, like, she's with Janeway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Janeway was on Voyager. Deep Space oh. Nine's about. It's not about a. It's not about a ship. It's about a space station. I fucking hate Red Letter Media so much because I fucking mix up all their Star Trek shit. <laughs> also, I do uh, too. I uh, also Picard mixes up all their Star Trek shit because it's like, oh, this is from fucking Enterprise, or this is from like Star Trek: The Next Generation, and then it's like, oh, hey, let's bring in all these other characters from other series, yeah. and it's like, fuck that. Anyway, I uh, I forget the character's name, but uh, there's another officer that Starfleet sends to like help them with the Borg situation. Uh, and her and Riker immediately butt heads because she's like young and ambitious and a risk taker. And Riker's become a lot more serious. And like she reminds Riker of himself when he joined the Enterprise crew initially, whereas mm-hmm. now he's transitioned to more of a Captain Picard line of thinking. Uh, so they encounter the Borg cube and uh, basically the the Borg send over a message and say like, Picard, surrender yourself, you know, beam over to our ship, and we'll let everybody else live. We just want you. And they're like, what the fuck do you mean? And Picard's like, no, fuck you. We're going to shoot at you. Right. Uh, And, like, uh, they kind of evade them and hide in, like, a nebula where the, the radiation of the exploded star will mask their signal and stuff. And at the same time, they're trying to coordinate with Starfleet to, like, stop the Borg because they are, like, they realize they're setting a course for Earth because the Borg are intent on uh, making all humans into Borg. It's really neat because, like, because of what happens throughout these episodes, like, it reveals more about the Borg. Like, they Mm -hmm. think that they're, like, they kind of have an impression of themselves as, like, their society is by its very nature, like, the most just a society can be, because, like, you know, everybody's a single hive mind. Nobody's, like, better than anyone, and uh, they also call Data primitive, which is kind of funny, and he gets all pissed off about it. (laughs) So, eventually, like, they, they have to engage with them again, like, they, like, they're running out of power, they, um, start, like, tuning their weapon systems to try to, you know, have a better shot at, you know, fending them off or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the Borg teleport onto uh, the Enterprise and kidnap Picard. So they go and try to rescue him, and they find his little communicator badge and his uniform. Uh, And then Dr. Crusher thinks that she sees Jean-Luc and goes to call out to him, and he turns, and he's got a fucking laser on the side of his head, and he has been uh, turned into a, a Borg. Bum, bum, bum. So the reason that the Borg did this, I guess, is like uh, they wanted Picard to act as like their emissary. Like they, they realized mm-hmm. that they need somebody to uh, speak for them when dealing with other races, 
and Picard was their their best option. Uh, so he calls the Enterprise and introduces himself as Lacutus of Borg, and uh, that resistance is futile and they should prepare for assimilation. And Riker orders Worf to fire on the Borg ship. Uh, and that's the end of part one. And then you didn't leave your wife hanging for, like, weeks at a time. Yeah, because that was the thing, like, when this first came out in, like, 1990, um, there was a three-month gap, like, from Picard seemingly dying, uh, and then the conclusion of the storyline, so. We got the benefit of being from the future on this one. So Riker is promoted to captain uh, and is in command of Enterprise of the Enterprise, and he makes that like brash young officer who was the expert on the Borg his first officer. So mm-hmm. that's interesting. Oh, that is interesting. That's really weird. Well, like everybody else, he needed them at their posts, but like he recognized that she, like he might need somebody who's willing to to make like the hail mary play. That that he wouldn't normally do in okay. order to win, you know. So like, they were trying to tune their weapons to take out the Borg. Uh, they fire on said Borg cube, and it has no effect whatsoever. Uh, Lacutus reveals that they prepared for the attack because they have assimilated all knowledge that Picard had. Uh, so the Borg cube fucks off and flies towards Earth. And the Enterprise is kind of crippled and not able to follow. So the Borg Cube encounters the uh, Starfleet Armada that they had set up to intercept them. And like by the time the Enterprise makes its repairs and catches up, uh, they basically fly into a ship graveyard. Because there's just, like, dozens of Starfleet ships that are just utterly destroyed. Mm-hmm. They manage to fly back to Earth and find the Borg about to, you know, invade and start enslaving the entire planet. Uh, and they they pull a really cool gambit. Like, they separate the the Star Drive section of the ship from the saucer section. And Riker's in command of the... Like, the main section and this other officer is in command of the saucer, and they kind of work in tandem to fight the Borg cube. Uh, But it's all a distraction, because they send out a shuttle shuttle with uh, Data and Worf to uh, get through the Borg shields to be able to beam on board the Borg cube, because they can't, like, it's an established thing, their transporters don't work when a ship has their shields up. So they physically fly their shuttle through it and use the the shuttle transporter to fly onto the board cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they kidnap Lacutus and manage to drag him back to the enterprise as the Borg continue to, uh, get ready to attack earth. And data is able to like, because he's like Picard is a cyborg at this point. Uh, he's able to establish a, like a neural link with him through computer shit. And he's like trying to hack into the mainframe. Well, yeah, he's like trying to hack into uh, like the Borg routines or whatever. And like there there's like 
he's trying to uh, basically make force them to uh, power down their weapon and defensive systems, but he he can't because there's like heavy security protocols. So Picard is able to break free from Borg control enough to mutter sleep, which Data realizes he's trying to tell them like, oh, like convince, like trick the Borg. It's like it's a low priority routine, like convince them that it's time to uh, enter like a stasis and regenerate. Uh, So he does it and like all the Borg, you know, return to their like little slots on the wall where they plug in and. uh kind of stand down and the ship's just hanging there so they go over to check it out and they're kind of debating on whether they should you know try to blow it up or you know use the opportunity to study the ship and prepare for like future encounters with them or whatever uh but they don't really have the chance to because um uh the breach in their security causes the borg uh cube to enter the self-destruct sequence Oh no. So they they fuck off back to the Enterprise and fly off to a safe distance, uh, and shut down like the ship blows up. Uh, which deactivates all of uh Picard's Borg implants, which they're then able to safely remove. Huh. And that's it. Uh it it was a wild ride. Okay, so I did look uh while you were doing that whole thing. Uh Janeway actually is Voyager. Uh, and so is Seven of Nine. So Seven of Nine and and, and Janeway were, uh, I was right that they were together, but they were not in Deep Space Nine, which came before Voyager. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, I think the, I don't think there's like a captain per se. I think the main guy on that is a Ferengi. Uh, no, it is. It, or at least Avery he's Brooks. the one that's always like in all the, the art for it. Uh... Yeah, he's a, uh, so I'm looking at it. The Ferengi is Cork. He's a bar owner. Uh, Cork, Avery yeah, Brooks is the uh, commanding officer. Okay. This is really cool. This, this basically was like a feature film that I watched. Right, because it's, what, they're like 45 minutes apiece, these episodes? Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. It's kind of fucking nuts when you think about it. Yeah, it was really good. There's also, uh, I also watched... Season four, episode two, uh, which is called Family. It's kind of the, I guess you would equate it to like, it's the the chapter at the end of Lord of the Rings where like they return from their adventure and uh, Frodo realizes that he can't just go back to his normal life and he's right. trying but to figure like, out how like to do that. Like everyone in the Shires celebrating it, like doing their normal shit and they're just like, boy, yeah. we really got fucked up from this, didn't we? Yeah, so, like, while everybody else is, like, since they're at Earth anyway, um, like, a lot of characters go and visit their families and stuff, so Picard goes to France and uh, goes and visits his brother, uh, who, like, Picard always was, you know, trying to be exceptional and, you know, improve himself, and he was really dedicated to Starfleet and becoming a starship captain. Uh, whereas his brother was more of a traditionalist and carried on the family tradition is in it. And uh, he is a winemaker. And they kind of live a like a regular old provincial life. So like that's kind of a, a source of conflict for the two of them. But like, I don't know, it's it's cool to see Picard interact with his family. Um, 
he meets like his brother's wife and like his nephew that like he had never met before, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Uh, the best part of the episode, though, is uh, Worf getting to visit his parents. Because, like, Worf is still all upset because he was kind of disgraced in Klingon culture. Uh, but his human parents who adopted him come to visit him on the Enterprise. And they're just, like, gushing about how awesome their son is. And, like, he's... Worf's just in a weird place because he... He feels like he should be disgraced and his parents are uh, super just super proud of him and really happy to to be able to see him so yeah that sounds like uh the idealistic human parents that you would expect come to expect with the star trek universe where no one gives a shit anymore everyone's like oh yeah acceptance yeah totally about this yeah and also like his parents are eastern european so it's like i don't know it's it's just really funny Worf, we welcome you back from deep space Come to Russia. We we have vodka and all this shit. <laughs> I write it's almost there. like that, yeah. But uh oh, also um Dr. Crusher picks up uh a thing like a package of effects from her late husband uh which includes a recorded message for Wesley when he turned 18. Uh so Wesley Crusher who is now a fully commissioned uh ensign on board the Enterprise of like Picard officially uh, gave him the title of Ensign, not just acting Ensign. Mm -hmm. So he's he uh, he wears the regular old Starfleet uniform now, but he kind of has a, an emotional moment uh, where he gets to see his dad say that he's proud of him and stuff. And then he tries to hug the hologram of his dad and it disappears. <laughs> Fucking dumbass kids. <laughs> Yeah, fuck you, Will Wheaton. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm at a pretty high point with the show right now. I don't really know a whole lot about what's going to happen kind of for the rest of this season. Mm -hmm. But, uh, at the beginning of season five is the episode Darmok, which I'm really excited to get to. Okay. Because everybody always says that that's one of the best episodes. Also, like, this kind of establishes that it's just a thing now that, like, uh, season finales and premieres are going to be two-parters from here on out, it looks like, so. Okay. Well, I look forward to you potentially fucking with Vanessa the next time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they'll have uh, a moment that big, but. And that's it. That's everything I watched. Coolio. Gangster's Paradise. So with that, we're going to cut into a quick break. And when we come back, we will be joined by Colby Mack to talk about the latest Netflix original movie release of the year, Malcolm and Marie. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, Casey Moore, The Nerd Revert, and Dan's Mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. 
Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash apple podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, we are, of course, joined by everyone's favorite podcasting friend on planet Earth, Colby Mack. Welcome back to the Netflix and Swill podcast. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Colby Mack, and I'm back on the Netflix and Swill podcast. Yeah! Is it good to be black on the Netflix and Swill podcast? Yeah. <laughs> back in Mac. Is that anything? Yeah, that could be something. Let me tell you something. The brand is strong. I cannot wait to get to the marketing side of things. You know, hats, t-shirts, oh, hell yeah. bumper stickers, you know, a signature drink. Ooh, that'd be fancy. I would definitely premiere that on You could call it Mac Attack. Nah, we gotta do something better than that. Is that still copyrighted? I don't even know who who's copywriting that. Who? Yeah. It was McDonald's. Really? Yeah. I think it was copyrighted. That was a slogan they used on their commercials for the Big Mac. Like in the eighties. Interesting. I don't know. Like I want instead of the McRib, I want the Mac rib. Ooh. And I want it to like look like me or something like that. Like have my price, my face pressed inside of like grill marks. Or something. I don't know. Got to figure it out. And now looking this up, is Mac Attack trademarked? <laughs> uh, this is a really stupid segment. Welcome, Colby. It's it's good to have you back here. Uh, last time you were with us was for Space Force, uh, a really oh, mediocre it's been that show. Long? So yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's been a God. minute. Damn. Uh yeah, pretty much after that you you took your hiatus from podcasting and you've that's, only you recently come back. That's That's very true. You know what that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. Sorry it's been so long. I mean, how dare you? How dare you go on hiatus for reasons? I know, man. Fuck life. 2020. <laughs> but then again, shit. 2021. Hello. 2021 is <laughs> 2022. The squeakwool. <laughs> I see what you did there. 2021 Jump Street. Is that anything? <laughs> You're just going to keep trying this, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Well. I'm just throwing comedy spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. See, don't, That's what she said. don't throw spaghetti at the wall. Just, just eat it a little bit. It's fine. Is it too al dente? I just ate a bunch of spaghetti before we recorded. Oh, look at you. I love how every time that I'm on, we talk about some type of Italian dish. Because <laughs> I think last time we were on, we were talking about somebody's special way of making lasagna. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ashley, you're still a fucking <laughs> idiot. <laughs> oh, cream fucking cheese. Get out of here. <laughs> Maybe next time we have you on, I'll make gnocchi. Ooh. See, gnocchi's weird because it's like made from potatoes. So you'd assume it's like the Irish trying to be Italian, but it's not. It's kind of like mini pierogies. It's yeah. kind of like mini pierogies. Yeah, kind of, kind of. All right, well, I'm getting hungry, and I shouldn't be hungry because I just ate a, a fantastic burger. So let's talk about the real reason why we're all here. Malcolm and Marie. Malcolm and Marie is a new drama romance film from Netflix. It's a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. A director and his girlfriend's relationship is tested after they return home from his movie premiere and await critics' responses. This is written and directed by Sam Levinson and stars John David Washington and Zendaya. And that's it. And we'll pitch it to the guest first. Colby, what did you think? For those that follow me, they should know. Yes. This is totally my shit. And I love that going in, 
I went in super duper cold. I didn't watch one trailer. I saw the poster. Yo, that looks good. It's got Zendaya. Mm -hmm. It's got John David Washington. Hello. Um, And I like the fact that I'm going in and I'm selecting certain films to kind of go in cold because I really just want them to wash over me, right? I don't want to develop any biases going in. I don't want to bring any baggage. And to be honest with you, that's the entire point of this film. I think that Sam Levinson, one, shout out to folks being um, innovative and saying, like, you know what? We're not going to let the panini that's going on, a.k.a. the pandemic, hold us back. Hold us back or keep us from being able to work, right? And, you know, the, 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 the friendship between Sam and Zendaya, they've got this project. They're workshopping it. They're collaborating together. And I think it's on its face. This is a really dope love story of two very flawed individuals that are very problematic, very toxic. And to be honest with you, I can relate to this so much because in a lot of ways, I was Malcolm. And in a lot of ways, I still am Malcolm. Um, I remember living in Los Angeles right out of high school and being in the industry and how it changed just the way that I went about things. And then also when I was dating, how that changed the way how my dating life was because dating an artist in the industry, a lot of these same arguments and yeah, the bulk of this film, well, the entirety of this film is an argument. And that can be tough for some people to kind of reconcile with as entertainment. You know, we even learn in film school, like try to make sure you keep your story moving. If the you know, characters get into an argument, try to get them out of it. But there's so much that I took away from inside the way that they were honestly destroying each other. And people that are in more healthy relationships, this is going to be something that can be really difficult to try to enjoy. But there was so much golden nuggets aside from the barbs and the daggers that were thrown at one another. I think these are folks that are just trying to find ways to understand one another. And honestly, they're only lasting through these arguments because they really fucking love each other, right? Is it healthy? No, but I can't deny that these two people are fighting for love from one another and understanding. And that's what mattered to me most. The secondary conversation about the commentary on Hollywood and film punditry and journalism and stuff like that, that's great. That's like a, that's like a, that's a bonus, right? But that love story, I'm all the way with it. The camera work, the music, the performances, damn, this movie like did everything for me. Well, it's like Zendaya says in the film, like this is what authenticity gets you. Like they use these like horrible drag out arguments where they're just really being shitheads to each other in turns. And they use that to reveal the, the truth about who they are and like the depths of their relationship to each other. Um, I'm going to fall light right in line with you. I, I kind of love this. I thought it was fantastic. This is the first, like, this is the, probably the best acting piece that I've seen in a little bit. And, uh, like before this, I, Zendaya to me was like, oh, that's, that's Spider-Man's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. But like after this, I was like, holy shit, this, this girl can act like she's going to have a, a really awesome career. Which just makes me want to watch Euphoria on HBO, because I haven't yet, but uh, now I, I really want to. And for the triple threat, I am going to fall in line with you guys. Uh, this is awesome. This movie is truly awesome. Zendaya is so fucking good in this movie. Like, I hear all about John David Washington, you know, being Del Denzel's son, has like that certain amount of pedigree. 
I never really expected Zendaya to come out swinging and completely upstage him. And it's not that I don't, I don't think John David Washington's good. I, I think he's pretty good in this movie, too. It's just Zendaya's emotional performance, uh, it, it really, really hits home. Uh, especially me, because like Colby, I do feel a certain Malcolmness to myself. They're both fantastic, but like I feel like this is a breakout role for Zendaya. I feel like a lot of people are going to point to this when it comes time to consider her for like casting other films. Breakout, like I, I, I get what you're saying. I think she's been in the industry. It's weird. She's been in the while, industry longer, yeah. and that, yeah, and, and it, it's, it's interesting because we've been able to kind of like follow her since she was a Disney starlet, mm-hmm. and she's taken on more edgy roles. But yet, still, there is a big segment of Hollywood that will look at her like a 17 year old, even though she's mm-hmm. in her early 20s, right? And that's just the way how Hollywood is, right? And then on the opposite side, you got John David Washington, which, in my opinion, this is his best performance of his entire you know filmography, mm-hmm. right? Um, and for him, he is still very much trying to transition out of being the athlete actor out of being in the shadow of his dad. And it's tough because his dad is one of the most iconic American male actors in history. Right. Mm -hmm. And he, I can tell that he definitely is trying to do everything he can to not sound like his father. And it's challenging. Because like that's in his DNA, right? Um, and this was where I felt he he has felt the most comfortable to me on screen. And I will shout it out to the way that they chose to shoot this film, right? It was shot in sequential order, which I think allowed John David Washington to fully organically become Malcolm, get comfortable in his character, get get, get comfortable, you know, with the screenplay and grow and try to elevate and match Zendaya as best as he can. Um, and I think that he did it so well and don't get me wrong Zendaya like she's a she's a beast there are several moments where the bulk of what makes her so stellar is the thing that she's not saying you know uh there's a bathtub scene which now is like you know everybody's like talking about where she's doing some amazing things with her eyes mm-hmm. with her jaw and just like the, the way that she looks up at it it, 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 it is her it jaw is like marvelous. trembles yeah yes they're like this this quiver but yet she's still kind of she like she's having the strength to keep it all together as opposed to just like fucking bawling. And she should be because in that scene, Malcolm is tearing her apart. And this is someone who is fragile, who is a former addict, who like literally has tried to kill herself. Like this is something that you typically would not want to do to a person that is in that state and he does not care. And to then see how, you know, a few scenes later, she could take the command completely back Pull the rug from underneath me. I gotta be. I watched this movie in the theater, and I thought it was about to go a certain way, and I was gonna get really, really upset with the butcher knife scene. And then the line you said it earlier, um, you know, Caleb, you said, oh, "Let me make sure I grab this." I, I thought it was like an amazing line, and that Malcolm is what authenticity buys you. And I said, "Fuck! Oh my god, this movie's perfect." Yeah, that- <laughs> that's that's when the whole movie like exploded for me like because i legitimately bought her as being kind of broken in that way and i'm like okay that makes sense as to why she's feeling this way and then that scene mm-hmm. happens she's like oh no she's been in total control this whole time and i actually had to laugh because he even he's like damn why did you just do that in the audition I, like <laughs> like yes. I, I don't know if it was supposed to be funny but it released a, a lot of tension and i had to laugh at that because of just like the timing of it oh He's he's hilarious in this. They both are like at times when they aren't screaming at each other and just like 
ripping each other to shreds. Like they're this both hysterical. So this movie and is like so so funny. Both of their comedic timings are impeccable, and that's what like this really shows the versatility of both of them as actors. Like I, I've said it before, but like I think this really cements it for me. Like I have to track down where the fuck I can watch Black Klansman and actually get to watch it finally. For me, especially, uh, I, and Colby, you said this too, I see a lot of myself in Malcolm, where, you know, I take, and, and this is probably my, my fragile ego or whatever uh, coming out, but, you know, anytime I get in, in an argument with somebody, I am doing my best to tear them down in every possible facet, humanly imaginable, uh, and, and you know, that's that's not right. That's not the proper thing to do. It's not what you should do to somebody you love. But there's nobody who can hurt you more than the person you love the most. I mean, I feel like if you stretched out, uh, like if you condensed this scene, this movie into one scene, it's that scene from Marriage Story where it's ScarJo and Adam Driver just screaming at each other, saying, like, the most hateful shit. And that that's all this movie really is. I was hot shit! For- I wanted to fuck everything, but I did it. Exactly. But I did it. <laughs> you stretch that out to, what, an hour 45. That's this movie. And it, it's just yeah. them, you know, it starts off as, like, actual, I don't want to say constructive, I guess constructive criticism is the best way to put it. But, like, she brings mm-hmm. up, like, hey, you didn't thank me. And that devolves into him recounting every sexual partner he's had about how her life, like, all the trials she went through in her life to get to where she is now, like, some really hateful, heinous shit that he's saying. But, like, it it all works. And I know that some people are going to say, well, after this, like, how can they possibly stay together? And I look at it and I go, I've had fights like this, and we stayed together. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, you look at it and like, oh, I shouldn't, like, these people shouldn't be together. Shouldn't they? Like, is maybe this is an actual relationship. Maybe what we consider healthy isn't, you know, wonderful all the time. Maybe sometimes you got to have the these, you know, 15-round slobber knockers in order to, to move forward with your relationship, in order for everybody to grow in the way that they need to to make this relationship work. And we can't be narrow to think that this is the first time that that they're having a fight like this, right? Right. Because um, then, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yo, who the fuck are you to talk to me like this? All right, great. I'm going home, right? But these, like... You know what impressed me so much is that inside of just this slice of life film that we're getting, right? This is one night that we're spending with these two individuals. I felt like I really grasped the entire scope of their relationship, Mm -hmm. right? Like I can see the years that they've been together, right? And they would only tolerate each other with the way that they're speaking to one another if there was love there. If there was no love there, yes, this shit would not work, Mm -hmm. right? And I think ultimately the the film is kind of left open-ended. We don't know what the next day will look like. We really don't. And I, and, I, and I loved that mystery, but just being able to kind of be on the journey because from the beginning, Marie very much, and granted, this is a big night for Malcolm, right? Mm-hmm. But she's stirring the pot, literally with Kraft macaroni and cheese. She's aggressively trying to get his attention. And it's weird because, you know, she kind of does the whole like, all right, I'm not going to make this a thing, but I really want to make it the thing. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, once you notice it, I'm going to say, we don't want to get into it, even though I really do want to get into it. Because if she didn't, she just wouldn't have said anything, right? Like, we know women that's done that, right? Like, we know it. And, you know, she's setting him up. And like you said, this is not just a redundant argument, because each time the fight elevates, 
they, there is a pause of civility, right? Mm-hmm. Originally, it's you didn't thank me. Fight back and forth, pause, break, something kind of like a, 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 a pokes at them, and then here goes round two. And now it's not only you didn't thank me, you did not want me to be a part of this. You stole something from mm-hmm. me. Fight back and forth, a moment of civility. And then we had like something else that comes in, you know, the, the, um, the, 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 the review from this critic. And then it's like, you know, there's something that she pulls from it to fight again. And, 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 and it, for some people, it can be maddening. But every time, very cunning and very calculating, she is pulling pieces from his arguments, like from his rebuttals and stuff like that, to end up furthering the discussion that she really, really wants to have. Oh, you don't value me because you think that you are so fucking good that you don't need me, when really, you do. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really beautiful. And to a lot of people, it's so like, it's so toxic looking, maybe they can't kind of parse through the bullshit, because that's what a fight is. It's a lot of bullshit. Like, I know when I argue, I am very calculating to where it sounds like I'm saying nothing, but then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a way to hit you, hit you right where it hurts, mm-hmm. you know, at some point. I'm going to lay the hammer, right? And that's what that bathtub scene, hammer. And, 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 and then even like, you know, you know his, um, his, his, his diatribe about film criticism, and, and, that, and that is one separate commentary to this film that like has to be kind of addressed, right? Sure. And I think that's what is also pissing off and it sucks because, like, I'm a film critic. You guys are critics. I kind of put you in a different space than the LA Times. I mean, granted, you're, you guys aren't the fucking LA Times, sure. Right? <laughs> um, but like, you know, you are not academic critics that I believe sometimes project their own shit onto art and bring their own biases. And sometimes some people know it, some people don't. And I like that about you guys. You know, you talk about a film on a very relatable basis. And I think that there's room for all of these different types of ways to be able to have film analysis and film criticism. And you guys know your shit, right? You guys aren't like hacks that are just yeah. like, oh, this is a good well, scene. Well, I mean, this it's was- no. to, to quote uh, Sigmund Freud wildly out of context, like, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Like, like Malcolm says in the movie, like, it doesn't have to be a political film because he's mm-hmm. black. Like, you don't have to read into shit for it to be deep. Right. And I so. I kind of love that because like I feel like this this movie overall could be seen by everybody in America and they could say oh I've experienced this kind of fight or uh, you know I've never seen this kind of fight what the fuck are these people doing together like I I watch this and I go I've been in this fight I relate to this fight mm-hmm. I'm I look nothing yeah. like these characters I you know the fights I've been in have been nothing about like centering around like the biggest night of uh, a filmmaker's life it's been around like some mundane shit but it doesn't matter yeah the movie doesn't have to be about black people about filmmakers about anything it's just there have been these fights it could be about literally anything everyone's experienced this yeah we've all loved somebody who we don't feel like appreciates us like that's not a black experience that's a human experience right yeah and i think that's what it's ultimately trying to say is like hey just because, like, it's two black people doesn't mean, you know, only black people feel this way. Everyone doesn't feel appreciated at some point. And sometimes you, you speak out and sometimes it you get to these underlying issues that keep going and going and going. I mean, we've had fights that have gone from, why didn't you do the dishes to, you don't appreciate me, to, uh, the first time we had sex, you didn't do this one thing, and that's caused a rift, a rift in our entire relationship. <laughs> Why didn't you put your finger in my ass? 
But like <laughs> you have fights that eventually get to the psychological core. And that's what we get to yeah. here in the movie is the psychological core yes. as to why they are the way they are and why are they fighting the way they are. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and if it didn't have that, yo, I think I'd be one. I would not be um, minute enough to be like, well, no, no, my point is my point. No, if this film didn't get to a point, mm -hmm. I would easily say it didn't get to a point. Like I wanted to like the hell out of Denzel and Rami Malek and Jared Leto, excuse me, Golden Globe and SAG nominated Jared Leto <laughs> in the little things. It didn't get to a point. Sure. And I had no problem, even though as excited as I was to watch that movie, to say, yo, this movie was pointless. So for anyone who tries to give some lazy critique to say, like, you know, uh, this movie didn't say anything, I don't think that you were really listening. Or I think that you came into this film wanting not to listen and ultimately being pissed at, uh, at, at Sam and kind of proving his point. So the main crux of the film is the love story. The separate part of this film is the commentating on film punditry, right? And I think that going in, some people had their issues with it, right? Sure. A select, you know, group of um, uh, of critics got a chance to watch this movie, and I think some of those pretentious critics felt attacked, right? And now the film is kind of being like, you know, lambasted because, like, who does this man think he is? He's holding a grudge against this this LA Times critic, you know, because of a review that they gave on Assassination Nation from a few years ago. One, be able to parse your comments and analyze the art. And then in a separate conversation, look at it this way. Because you disagree with something um, that was essentially parroted, you know, with granted within the screenplay, but like is not relevant to the screenplay, mm -hmm. check that shit, right? Um, you know, there is credence to what Malcolm is saying. The second part of that argument is knowing that Sam Levinson is not a black man, and the arguments that I've, I've heard, it says, does he have the permission? Who does he think he is to be able to use? To be able to speak through this black character who they believe does not have any representation of that experience to give credence to that lament. And it's, it's, it's kind of whack. You know, I, I think it, it, it's very, as a black man, we mm -hmm. are not a monolith. And granted, yes, a white guy wrote this. The only part while watching the film, putting everything aside, mm -hmm. that like did stick out is where Malcolm says the N-word. Right. Like, and, and keep in mind, I went in with nothing, but now knowing that that was not Sam, that was all John David Washington. Sure. Like I said, this was a really collaborative effort. You know, um, there was a, a loose outline of what they wanted to have happen. You know, Sam and Zendaya worked on this together. Granted, yes, for some reason, WGA rules, Sam has sole writing credit on this film, but this was a collaborative effort. And I think that Sam let these actors do their thing. You know, so granted, like, is he the writer? Absolutely. Do I believe that these are word for word all him? No, I will say the diatribe that Malcolm goes on against the LA Times uh, film critic in the film that felt the most like Sam because I know it's a personal story of his, mm -hmm. but it doesn't do anything to devalue the movie for me at all. I, th I think it's a big thing. Isn't that's what I saw was like, oh, apparently uh, John David Washington says the N word at some point. And I just went, OK. L like, what's the problem here? Like, I mean. Do like I, maybe I'm not around the discourse enough, but like for Django Unchained, was the discourse around like Quentin Tarantino writing so many n words in, in Django Unchained? Like, what was did anyone care yeah, about that, or were they just like, eh, hey, fuck is. it? No, no, it, it is, and, and, and like I said, that's sticky, and, and I think that there's absolute credence to that argument. But I give grace to these actors. Like, they're not duped into this. It wasn't like their manager said, "You need to fucking do mm -hmm. this movie," and like, wait, but I don't want to say nigga. I can say it, right? 
Sure, it, I can't it's, say it. It's like it's exactly you know better, right. right? You know, but but also at the same time, if Samuel L. Jackson had an issue with it, he'd be like, "Yo, you know, Quentin, we've been working together since the mid '80s, my brother. You need to cool it out." And I think he would. You know, right. so I'm going to give grace to that. Yo, they 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 give it a pass. And does it make sense? It's one of those things like what that judge said about porn. I know it when I see it, right? I know it when I feel mm-hmm. like a film is being, like, you know, a topic in film is being culturally appropriated. I do not believe that Malcolm and Marie were being used essentially as some tool for, you know, Sam Levinson to be able to get back at an LA Times critic from three years ago. It's such a very small part of the movie. Like, yes, he goes on, like, exactly. a very lengthy diatribe against a, a review that is mostly positive, but... Uh, I, I think I think the way he he attacks the review is very funny because it, it is a lot of like it's, what I feel it, I feel sort of about like uh, white critics reviewing black movies is like we feel like he, like you feel like you have to dance around certain topics. <laughs> you know, I, I I've been part of the dance too, so I it's so like I get it, but like just talk about it as a movie, man. It's like like yeah, yeah. I, I feel like yeah, maybe there is something about the black experience in there, sure, but I don't know because I haven't experienced it, so I'm just gonna say mm-hmm. oh. There's a real problem with the mental health institution uh, of America and the fact that we don't help addicts. We just punish them, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just for that movie, the meta movie within the movie. I, you know, mm-hmm. g- get out. Like, yeah, I've experienced people, you know, exactly like, um, oh, God, why can't I remember his name? Uh, the dad who's like, I would Ob- voted for Obama for a third term. And I'm like, cool, mm-hmm. bro. Me too. But like, I don't have yeah. to go announcing that to Colby <laughs> Mack every time he comes on our podcast. Yeah, and and like, yo, okay. Does Kobe Mac get invited to do guest spots on other people's podcasts for mostly black films? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I talk about that shit? No, because to be honest with you, I don't mind it. I don't mind, you know. I mean, for other podcasts who may not be of an experience, and not to say that you guys cannot appreciate a film without having like a black mm-hmm. critic to be able to like you know elaborate on it, but I think ultimately you want that color. Not that color, but you, you want right. that conversation right. to have an additional context to it. And I, I, I love that, right? And it doesn't mean, and, and then what that doesn't mean is that I can't talk about white shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's not limiting. And the thing is, if we do that, if we say that Sam cannot do this movie, right? It makes it seem as if that, well, only a black filmmaker can tell black stories. Well, does that mean that a black filmmaker cannot tell a white story, a gay story, an immigrant story? No. We're in this place where we're probably a bit too woke for our own good. And, you know, Kevin Bracken and I at Real Spoilers, we kind of talked about it where the pendulum, when it swings, it can swing super duper far one way. Like, it's good what we're doing, but let's not overdo it. I think let's let's apply some grace. Let's like every let's apply some nuance to the conversation. Right. Like, let me tell you something. If there was a legit issue with this film, let a black guy tell you that. Sure. Right. That's all, that's all the white listeners that are out there, right? That, that you know that, that are in our game of talking about movies and sharing those ideas, right? Before you try to open up your mouth and like say, "Oh, this person can't do this," talk to a black person first. Talk to that group that you feel is being marginalized, that you feel is being you know oppressed. All right? Yeah, check, I, check I fucking I hate that. Like, oh, here comes the white man to lift you up and save you. You know, mm-hmm. fuck that. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it, it, you know what I'm saying? It's like, and, and it's different. Like, do, obviously, there's not so many, you know, s- social, racial, political arguments that you could apply to a standard white, like in Marriage Story, right? Mm-hmm. There was none of this, right? No. Because like, oh, well, Noah Bobbeck's a white guy. So, of course, he would have this, you know, but like, it, and I'm, I'm not trying to be honest, it's probably 
I don't even know if there's any black people in the movie. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like, no, I'm there fa- actually like, is. Think about one of the yeah, one of the greatest black stories in American cinema is The Color Purple. I ain't know Steven Spielberg directed that shit till like years after I watched it. And it didn't invalidate the film because it's coming from the world that he is trying to tell. Mm-hmm. And it was written by a white guy. Now, granted, the source material, you know, is, is, is they, they had something to be able to work on from. But I, I feel like we are limiting art and I don't want that to happen. All right. So I, I, the, and to be honest with you, like, like you said, Dan, this is such a small portion of the film. And most of the of the, the, the arguments and the, and the people that are like kind of shitting on this movie is from. The, the, that's not the important part of this movie. Mm-hmm. It's the love story, right? Like, right. this is just like the, the frosting on the cake, you know? Because that's what, a, like, there was so much comedy inside that rant. If you guys get a chance, try to read the screenplay. It is so funny. Like, it's really, really good. And I'm glad that a movie like this is on Netflix because everybody's going to be able to have opinion. But you know what? This discourse, while it's meaty, in four days, we're going to move on to Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> True. You know? <laughs> Let's 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 talk about the actual movie. Uh, although I don't know much much what much more to say, but um, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want want to say about the movie uh, before we get into like final thoughts or anything. Cinematography was gorgeous. Um, I mean, the fact you know the choice to shoot it in black and white. Mm-hmm. There's no cinematic rhyme or reason why the film needed to be in black and white. It's a choice. Malcolm kind of says that, like, yo, the choices that I make is just the choice I make blocking this and that it's a choice this movie's in black and white it's beautiful because for me all i'm focusing is just on these two subjects right i'm focusing on how great the lighting is in this film right the beauty and as a black man let me say this the beauty of their black skin because it's not always shot correctly right i got a chance to sit in a clubhouse room sorry for you android users that don't know what the fuck that is um (laughs) i got a chance to sit in a clubhouse room you know with a um with a color corrector and you know he was talking about the the science behind lighting different individuals based off their skin tone and then getting direction from producers on how they want these characters to look. And this come on, this is outside, you know, the prism of what we're, you know, shooting on the camera. This is all stuff that's being done in post. So I appreciate being able to see how sleek these two individuals look, how sexy this film is, the frames that are created and these pictures. I mean, you know, in, in my mind, I'm taking snapshots of when, you know, Zendaya is inside the bathtub and it looks gorgeous. You know, um, at the end, towards the end of the film, there's kind of like this little epilogue that we get, you know, the, the, the screen wipes white and essentially we think the film's over mm-hmm. and it's just them kind of debriefing from this heavy fight. And it's just, you know, this jazz music in the background and I'm getting to see them get ready for bed. It was so beautiful. Even the outside shots like this. Th- there's this one scene at the beginning of the film where Zendaya goes to smoke a cigarette on the patio and the camera goes inside and outside and inside and outside. That was like, great like, stuff. It, it was it was yeah. really, well, really good. The framing of a lot of the shots is incredible, too. Like there's so many scenes where the two of them are not together, but they're both on camera at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like one of them will be laying in bed and the other is reflected in the bathroom mirror. Or, like, they're both standing outside the house, but outside, like, different exits. So, like, they can't see each other, but the camera can see both. It's beautiful, like, how they're able to depict their, like, togetherness, but separation at the same time, visually like that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Like I said, all I want to do now is watch Euphoria. That's it. That's all I want to do. Zendaya Sam Levinson. Yeah, I'm ready for like the sequel. Like I, 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 there's, I feel like there's so much more that I want to learn about like their world. 
I would love to know what the rest of their day looks like. Oh man, you know? no, no, no. Um, I I like it, having it up for interpretation. I I know I know people will true. want like a yeah. movie for like or like something <laughs> afterwards that you know. Are they okay? Do we know? And I think it's the beauty of it. Are do, we yeah. ha, we never know if they're okay again after this? Like after a fight mm-hmm. like this, are, can you ever be okay? Does everything change? Who knows? It's completely up to you. Does Malcolm finally get out of his man boyishness enough to be able to look introspectively and say, "I fucked up. I need to be better." We never know. Imagine a movie where it's just these two at Disneyland. <laughs> I don't know if Zendaya wants to go back to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. ah! I fucking told well, you I ain't going Sorry, to Space guys. Mountain. There, 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 there is no more Disneyland. Not, well, not yeah, since you're, the you're incident. Right? No, no, no. The Disneyland is closing. Wait, really? Oh. Yeah. Huh. Good. Yeah. The- theme parks are super spreader events. Uh, spread the word. <laughs> yeah. Did crazy. everyone just forget Disneyland about the pandemic closing. once Biden hit office? Is that the problem here? Like... Did everyone forget that there's a still bit. a global pandemic happening? Well, one day it'll go away like a miracle. I've heard that before. Except for the anti-vaxxers <laughs> who, you know, will fuck it all up. Uh, we promise not to get political much more on the show. We're doing it anyway. Who cares? Uh, any closing thoughts on Malcolm and Marie, on the actual movie, and maybe probably not about the discourse surrounding certain bits of it? It's 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 my uh you you guys do letterbox reviews. So, oh, I do. You know, it's a ten out of ten. It's it's a five star movie for me. I haven't had one of those since Portrait of a Lady on Fire last year. Um, I'm really selective about like I really look for something that that magical moment that hits me. Um, and I know it, it's just like I know it when I see it, right? Right. And um, af- after when the rug was pulled out from me, um, with that performance with Zendaya, um, it cemented. It was like, damn. This is it. And, and, and it felt so good to have those, right? Um, some people really guard that stuff. It's like, I'm not good. This film needs to, like, you know, make me come cinematically in order to give me a five-star film. Yes, thank you for describing me exactly, Colby. Thank you. <laughs> just make sure you always carry tissues with you. Just in I case, mean, you know. of course. I, I actually carry around a backpack for that exact reason, with a pair of pants. Yes. Yeah. I just wear a condom all, at all times. <laughs> A movie condom. <laughs> oh man, uh, Caleb, uh, I I fully agree with you. It's I mean, this is a five star movie. I loved every minute of it. Well, now I feel like an asshole because I only went four and a half. I believe me, I really <laughs> love this movie. Like this, like when movies make you introspective, that's when you know there's something incredible there. Now, of course, I say all these words. Uh, and to not give it five stars is, uh, you know, possibly blasphemy, but, uh, I don't know. I just, Zendaya's is so good. Uh, John, John David Washington, too much like myself. I don't, I, I felt almost uncomfortable watching him get in a fight and being like, oh, this is what I look like. I look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> Thanks, movie. Well, like, that's, that's the true beauty of this movie. Like, it's. It's raw and it's real and it tells us something about ourselves that we always knew but were afraid to confront. I think that's the beauty of movies sometimes is that you will you'll see something on screen that goes, "Oh, this is like what I'm going through." And you know, a lot of people will say like, "Oh, well, you should be able to be introspective without the the aid of movies." But I say, you know what? If you're introspective at all, you're doing better than a lot of other people. Yeah. Well, like, I don't know, that's why art exists. It's 
fucking teach people about the human condition by portraying it outside of reality. This is a good discussion. I'm glad we had Colby back on, uh, as always, because he always lets us have great discussion. Colby, yeah. well, thank you. Fucking next time, because, I don't know, like you said, about <laughs> we only have you on for black films and also Space Force, I guess. But, like, <laughs> next time we'll have to get you on for, like, whatever the next fucking Adam Sandler movie is. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> I'm down for it, bro. <laughs> And, and 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 take it from a guy who actually liked Hubie Halloween. I ain't got no problem with that. Hubie Halloween you know? was fine. Yeah, I don't it understand was. why like, everyone it's hates a it. Fine film, bro. Because people go in already wanting to hate it. And yeah. you're, if you already want to hate a movie, good luck on really trying to have your mind changed. You know, that's true. Like, go, movies are fun, guys. Like, you know, don't don't make it so much. It, it, it this shit in me work. You know, like every movie that I watch, I go in wanting to like it. I fucking watched Bliss with Selma Hayek and uh, and and Owen Wilson. I, I really wanted to like it, and I fucking did it. <laughs> but, you know, I wanted <laughs> to like it. <laughs> uh, now streaming on Amazon Prime. Uh, skip it. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'll drop my review at, at some point. But, um, but yeah, that's like how it should be. I cannot wait for this, um, for this uh, to all the boys, you know, forever and all, uh, for, uh, whatever. The forever and always. Is. Forever and always. In two weeks? Uh, next week. Can't no, it's this that. week. It's this coming week because it? it's for Valentine's Day. That is right. Yeah. Oh, man. You know what? May have to do a back to backer. It sounded sexual, and I ain't mad yeah, at it. I wouldn't. Do that. <laughs> so hey, yeah, you know, <laughs> we'll kind of see. We'll, we'll talk about it. But yeah, anytime you guys want to have me on, I love y'all. Big fan of the pod. Um, you know, if you guys have a dollar to give, join the Patreon. All right, do that, listeners. Yeah, Colby. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, way to put him on blast. Uh, Dick. I didn't mean it. <laughs> oh man, nah, this is always like a good time. Shit. I, I I miss just being able to have hangout conversations. Like I have my I have some of my guest spots that are kind of more academic. And then I have some that are kind of like a more, yeah, man, what's the you know, awards analysis on this? And this is just like a fucking like Oh yeah, I don't give a shit about any of that. We up. neither of us give a shit about that. We're like, hey, what'd you think? Cool. All right, moving on. Moving on. Well, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to bring it up either, but I mean, fucking 235 episodes, and this is the first time that we've had the N-word on the show. True! You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Also, because <laughs> Colby's only been on for like maybe three episodes, so uh, we've only had three opportunities out of 235 for someone to say it. But at least no one's been racist. Uh, Colby! Thank you for coming on the podcast again. It's always good to have you here. Always great. Thank you very much, guys. I really do appreciate it. Tell everyone what, where to find you on the internet, what you're doing, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, well, if you guys want to, you can follow your boy. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Colby Told Me. When I'm in the mood to write, you can check out my website at ColbyToldMe.com. And the podcast, my Colby Told Me podcast, will be coming back soon. So when they right. ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Colby Told Me. Awesome. Well, we will shift gears now from a very heavy episode, uh, heavy review of Malcolm and Marie to uh, a very light note as we go into a quick break and then a patron requested review for <laughs> Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Hello, listeners. I want to talk to you for one second real quick about the Golden P Movie Awards, referred to lovingly as the Golden Peas. Every year... 
I take the opportunity to celebrate the year in film, and 2020 is no different. Please head over to twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas and find all of the nominees as well as links to a ballot that you can use to vote. Voting is open from January 29th until March 1st of 2021. We feature all of the main categories that you will find at shows like the Golden Globes and the Oscars, but we poll the film and Twitter and podcast community to get those nominees. And as you know, they are chosen by you. So please cast a ballot, head over. Once again, it's twopeasonapod.com slash goldenpeas. We love movies and we love celebrating movies, and we hope you come to the party this year. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to get into a patron-requested review for Jimmy Neutron, Boy Genius. Well, fine, if you don't want my money. You mean, if we watch terrible movies, you'd give us money? Well, sure. Mr. Caleb, welcome to the patron review segment. Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius was given to us by a patron who isn't. Uh, so thanks, Bill. This is an <laughs> animation action adventure film. <laughs> this is a 6.0 out of 10 on IMDb. So it's only 0.4 stars lower than Malcolm and Marie. Uh, an eight-year-old boy genius and his friends must rescue their parents after the adults are abducted by aliens. Written and directed by John A. Davis. Uh, and stars some voices. Yep. Uh, this is pretty bad. What did you think? Uh, I have a certain amount of nostalgia for this movie. Because I, I, I'm fairly certain I saw this in theaters. Uh, so, you know. Christ, I'm old. Well, yeah, well, it was 2001. Which was the year after Pokemon 2000. So I mean, and I and I remember seeing that mm-hmm. in theaters very vividly. That's how that works. I have that going for it. I also have the Jimmy Neutron cartoon that I would watch, which was in the a similar animation style to this. Uh, what do I think? I don't know. It's not very good. Like it's 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 at least like I can put it on in the background and kind of ignore it. Like like it's not like it demands my attention or anything. So like. I guess it's whatever from that point of view, but like, I don't know. It had that little special attachment of like, hey, I remember this to it. All right, let's not let's not pussyfoot around it. Do you remember the time that Jimmy Neutron committed genocide? Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Neutron uh, did a Hitler. Oh my god! He, he, they go to this. They go to this fucking alien world where all their parents are. Uh, and then uh, they rescue their parents, and then the aliens try to chase after them, and then he flies them into their own sun, where they're then uh, evaporated by their own sun. <laughs> but no one wants to talk about Jimmy Neutron committing genocide, so, I mean, whatever. I don't know. I want to talk about this. This It's supposed to be, like, science Jimmy Neutron's the science boy. Yes. Uh, and then they, they make a bunch of jank ass fucking spaceships out of uh carnival rides uh-huh uh and then they fly them into space with without uh having sealed cockpits or spacesuits correct and they're shouting over to each other at like the next spaceship over 
It's like this movie is stupid. Well, yeah, but I will say, my I I love the kids who are in the carnival rides that make no sense to be spaceships, like the the people on anything that spins or like, like the swings about to like throw up and like the head swing thing like that one's like who who even designed this ride and then the uh yeah. the roller coaster the roller coaster can't uh fly through space unless it's doing like it's going up and down hills i enjoyed that part <laughs> i don't know i forgot how bad cg animation was back at this time oh no you could just stop at bad cg animation was because yes yeah. i don't know but like this came out the same year as shrek and like shrek isn't a terrible looking film no i'll, I'll agree to that but yeah this looks oh, no. old this, this looks like garbage this <laughs> looks like a cut scene from a game that you would get on a box of cereal man now i want to buy some boxes of cereal to play some shitty games I'm specifically referencing Chex Quest, uh, which is amazing. It's uh, essentially a mod of uh, the first Doom game, uh, and it came with boxes of Chex cereal, uh, and you played as the Chex Warrior, and you had to travel to Mars uh, and save all of the cereal people from the nutrient mines of Mars where they were attacked by Flemoids. Uh, which are basically giant booger creatures. And they're from a different dimension. It's fucking incredible. Look it up. I need an emulator for this game. It's, dude, unironically, it's fucking good. It's hilarious. Okay. Well, I will have to check this out then. I guess the other thing I want to talk about is that uh, this has a banger soundtrack. I mean, it has some generic sounding shit, like rock music from 2001, but it also has uh, InSync's Pop on it, which is their best song. <laughs> well, all the all the songs are really on the nose, though. It's like, hey, you know who's cool? Kids. Kids are going to save the world. We're kids. In America. Yeah. We're the kids in America. Whoa. Uh, that's it. That's all I have. This movie's very throwaway. Uh, I feel like it would definitely entertain some children. This movie also features a a remix of Parents Just Don't Understand by Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yep. It's a a movie that happened. Uh, I don't understand (laughs) why you did this, Bill. Your child is, uh, not even one yet, and... Has no concept of object permanence. There is no reason for you to have watched this movie with your child, although I'm fairly confident you are just trolling us. Yeah. I also liked how Blitzkrieg Bop by the Ramones was on the soundtrack to this, and they had to cut certain lines out <laughs> so that it wouldn't change the rating. Oh, uh, I think my favorite amusement park ride was uh, the one where it's called Bat Out of Heck. I'm like, perfect. There we go. Yeah. Fuck, why wasn't Meatloaf on the soundtrack to this? Right? If you're going to directly reference Meatloaf, put him, in, put him in your movie. I'm just looking at a picture of Jimmy Neutron on IMDb, and his visage is haunting. Look up uh, Fairly Odd Parents to Jimmy Neutron, and then you will see that he looks much better in the 2D space. 
Oh, yeah, that's true. Still doesn't look great. No, it doesn't look great, but, I mean, he looks better. And that's the point. 2D animation always trumps 3D animation. You can't convince me otherwise. Have you seen the TikToks where somebody is using uh, Carl as their skin for fucking uh, Call of Duty? No, but I now need to. (laughs) So it's Carl running around fighting terrorists. I can't remember if it's Call of Duty or uh, Counter-Strike, but... 4K, no last dose. Let's look up Carl Call of Duty. Carl Call of Duty Warzone. That was the, the the Jimmy Jimmy's mom thing because like that that was never really explored in this movie. But uh, Carl has a giant crush on uh, Jimmy's mom, who isn't you know stereotypical dummy thick mom in any cartoon, which uh, was greatly disappointing. This this is where I need you to say something so I don't seem like a fucking psychopath. I don't know. I don't really know a lot about the show. I didn't watch it, so. Oh, I just mean like in general, she's not like dummy thick. Like, but like you talk about. Was it Andy's mom in uh, Toy Story? And then you have, like, uh, Mrs. Incredible. Yeah. Mrs. Incredible is hot. Her power is stretching. Do you think she's actually that dummy thick, or she just makes herself look that way? Ooh, that's a good question. Good philosophical debate uh, that we don't have time for here. Caleb, what would you give Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius? Uh, One star. Yikes, uh, I'm going to because... I, I award I you care. no points. I award <laughs> you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Uh, that's fair. I'm going to because, you know, there's that nostalgia attached to it, but uh, it's it's not like I suffered while watching. All right. Well, what are we doing next week, Dan? Next week on the show, uh, we will be talking about the... I, I I guess Scandinavian, because I can't remember what fucking country it takes place in. Uh, uh, thriller movie Red Dot for Valentine's Day, because nothing says Valentine's Day and I love you like two people in a relationship being hunted down by uh, somebody with a gun. Uh, and we'll be joined by Maddie from Movie Marathoners to talk about that movie. And in uh, our third segment, we will be doing a dick pick, which it's my turn to pick. And uh, I got the word fault, and that brought me to the movie that I don't have up right now. Hold, please. Oh, Remember Me. Yeah. Uh, so if you guys don't know, the the movie Remember Me, this movie stars Robert Pattinson and has a very specific ending. Does he die? He dies. I won't say where he dies, but he dies somewhere. Uh, Iraq? I will not say where he dies, but he does die. Those of you who have heard of this movie know where he dies. So, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. Remember me is I think it's very forgettable, but uh, the only thing that's notable about it is the the ending. So that's serendipitous what we were talking about. Yeah. Ironic that you think a movie called Remember Me is forgettable. I've never seen it. But it's probably, it, I, it, as far as the general consensus, it is very forgettable. 
right. Uh, well, thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, Bitter. The aliens and Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius were very bitter that they stole their parents back and then killed them in a sun. And then one of them became sunny side up. Oh, I get it, because they're egg-themed. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell them some stuff, Dan. Uh, you can find our podcast at NetflixAndSwill.com. It's your one-stop shop to finding all the relevant links, such as our Patreon links, merch, uh, where to find our show if you don't like where you're listening to it currently. And uh, that's it. Those are, the, those are the main three things that the, web, the website is for. All right. And until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs>